Welcome to the Awakening Church podcast. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, go to awakeningchurch.com. Uh, if we haven't gotten a chance to meet before, my name is Roland. Uh, I am the youth director here. Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, I'm the youth director here, and I just got to say before we do anything else is I absolutely am thrilled uh, to, to lead and shepherd our junior high and high school ministries. It's just such a fun part of what we have here at Awakening. Um, some of you might not know, but we've got a group of 25 students every Sunday. In the, yeah. All right here. Do you want to give them a shout? Um, and the number's growing, and we meet every Sunday. We have our own little youth program across the quad uh, where we get to have some fun, uh, hear, teach on God's Word, and get into small groups and talk about it a little bit. Um, and on Thursday nights, we even have a group of high schoolers who meet at our offices, uh, get together each week, uh, get to study God's Word, and then just talk about how, uh, about real things in life and what's going on. Um, amen. But really, what I got to talk about when it comes to awakening youth, one of my favorite parts and the thing I'm most grateful for is our team of volunteers. I get to lead a team of, uh, of about 10 volunteers uh, who either serve in our junior high or our high school ministry, or a lot of them in both, and week in and week out give their time, effort, and energy to just love on these kiddos and their families. Um, because... Here at Awakening, when we talk about awakening this generation to new life in Jesus, we can't help but think about our students. They are a big part of that. And what we want to do, what these volunteers sacrifice each week to do, is to help these students not just walk with Jesus for a time in their life, but for a lifetime. So I'm glad that I get to be part of that and lead that. Um, A little bit about myself. Uh, I'm not originally from San Jose. Grew up in a little beach town called Ventura. Uh, I ended up here uh, to go to San Jose State, go Spartans, um, graduated. Uh, Awakening really is where I feel like I grew up. Uh, I met my wife here. Um, Ryan officiated our wedding, and I've been married for almost five months now. Yeah. Proof. Uh, And as we talk about... As I thought about it, and this being a standalone sermon before we dive into the Advent season, um, I wanted to preach on being married and what it means to be a husband and all that. But our teaching team thought it'd be a better idea to talk about gratitude, so that's what we're going to dive into today. Uh, Gratitude is a pretty funny thing, the importance of gratitude, because I think for many of us here, I don't have to do much convincing to say why gratitude is important. We inherently have this idea and know that gratitude is something uh, that we should value, something that we should have part of our lives. We hear studies all the time about the importance of gratitude and what it does for our physical health. Uh, UCSD even put out some studies about how uh, more grateful people have lower blood pressure, have better uh, uh, heart health, um, and then you hear all those like, little stories about like, the, the top five secrets for what makes you more successful, and part of it's being grateful. Right? We, we know gratitude's important um, when we're driving. Right? We're, we're on the freeway, and someone's trying to merge onto the freeway, right? and we let them go in front of us. And if they don't wave back that universal thank you, then they're not merging anymore. Right? <laughs> what they're doing is cutting us off. How dare they? Families know this too. 
uh, with little kiddos. It's birthday time or something like that. And there's your cute little child with all the gifts around them. Um, and as before they start opening it or right after they open up that gift, especially if everyone's watching, what do we expect them to say? Thank you, right? Every time. It's like we have this gut reaction. It's like, please, please say thank you or something's wrong. Uh, the year was 2007. I was a freshman in high school. Don't do the math right now. And it was about this time of the year. It was, it was close to Christmas time, post-Thanksgiving, getting to the season, Christmas trees up. Um, and I was really excited for this particular Christmas season because my parents, I felt, were on a great streak of getting me some really good gifts. Uh, a couple years before, my sister got her first cell phone, so I got my first cell phone. Um, then, the next year, I got an Xbox. And then the year after that, I got this thing, this archaic thing called um, Rock Band. Uh, and where I learned, okay, I already knew I was terrible at playing real instruments, uh, but this game confirmed that I couldn't even play fake instruments that well. Uh, so we're, we're hitting a streak, and I was like, man. What is mom and dad going to get me this year? Until one day, under a Christmas tree, popped up this one box, nice, uh, wrapped nice and neat, and I, I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. So for the next couple of weeks, I would just wonder, and I was so excited. I was like, what, what's going to be in that box once I get to finally open it? Uh, so weeks pass by, and then finally it's Christmas Day, and we're opening gifts, uh, and I had just opened the smaller gifts, like the, the ones about socks and underwear. Um, and mind you, if you're buying anything for a teenager, really, that's all they need, socks and underwear. Those are the essentials. <laughs> Maybe some deodorant. That's really all I needed. But there was more coming my way. So I got to that box, the one that I had been eyeing for weeks now, and I started to slowly open it from the tape. I don't know why I do that. I still do that, as if I'm going to wrap it again or something like that. But I but that's not the point. So I, I pulled the box out. There's this lid on it. All this anticipation, this moment was happening. I was finally ready to see what my parents had gotten me. I kind of looked at it with, some, with satisfaction and approval, as if to like, look at my mom and say, this will do. <laughs> Took the lid off. Some, uh, some paper on top. Oh, man, it's getting exciting. It's like, what are they, why do they have to hide all of this? I take the paper out pull out the gift that my mom had gotten me, the one I was so excited for. And you know what I pulled out? Snow pants. <laughs> pulled out snow pants. My, I was so disappointed. <laughs> and worse was I couldn't even hide my disappointment. Right? I, I looked at my mom, and she saw the, the look on my face, and she was just heartbroken. Needless to say, I was ungrateful in that moment. I was bummed, legitimately. I, I was bummed about what my mom had got me. And then all of a sudden, there's this disconnect between my mom and I. Because she got me this gift, and there was no more excitement on my face. See, this is what ingratitude does. It, it puts this, this relational sting. It kind of puts people at a distance. And all of a sudden, there's this distance between my mother and I. And this is what we're up against this morning that lack of gratitude. See, when we lack gratitude, really what's, what's surfacing is, is we are showing that we have feelings of entitlement and greed. That we feel like we are owed something. And we fail to recognize that we are being served in some way. 
And we've seen this since the beginning of humanity. Adam and Eve in the garden, enjoying, enjoying all of God's creation. God gave them so many good things, light and warmth and food, dominion over the land, a garden to enjoy, one another, community, uninterrupted fellowship with the creator. Yet one day, at the one tree that they were forbid to eat from, as Eve took that apple in her hand, and then Adam, and they ate, that one bite just showed our ingratitude towards the creator, that all this wasn't enough, that we needed more. And because of that one moment where we decided we knew better, where, where we wanted to decide what was good and what was evil, when we were ungrateful, this huge chasm, this relational sting was put between us and God. See, this is what ingratitude does. The reason ingratitude is problematic or hurtful is because when we go out of our way to help someone out, it's not what we expect when someone is ungrateful. But when we are generous, it's not what we think we deserve. When we serve or sacrifice for someone else, we can't help but think we are at least owed a thank you. Rightfully so. But that's the problem with ingratitude. It gets all the more trickier, right, when the person who feels like they are owed some thanksgiving, um, is all, they're always aware of it. And the person who's being ungrateful sometimes doesn't even know that there's something wrong. Gets all the worse. The relational stink hurts a little bit more. That's the problem with ingratitude. And if that's all true about being ungrateful, then gratitude, thankfulness, all of a sudden becomes all the more important. Because it's not just about being polite or kind. Being grateful, what it is, it is something that helps shape our relationships. Gratitude helps sustain and maintain um, our relationship with others, with God even. Thankfulness helps determine the quality uh, of our relational intimacy. And this is what's important today. Uh, is when we give the gift of gratitude to other people. It's not really for other people. Uh, being thankful to others is not something we give to someone else so that um, we can satiate their need for, for uh, gratitude. No, it, it's something a little bit deeper than that. It's not something just we give to someone else just so they feel better. The gift of gratitude is really for ourselves. And this morning, today, I want to look at one account in Jesus' life. When it, when it comes to, as it relates to thankfulness and gratitude, I just want to explore one instance in the Bible uh, when it talks about, about this concept, about ingratitude and thankfulness. Make a few observations and go from there. So if you want to follow along, have your Bibles or your iPads or whatever you're using, uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter 17, and start in verse 11, and probably will be on the screen behind me. Um, but if you'd want to turn there with me, or turn there with me, I'll start reading. Uh, On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Um, So we're jumping into the story a little bit uh, towards the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, on his life here on earth. Um, It says he's somewhere between Samaria and Galilee, so he's somewhere north of Jerusalem. And what's happening is he's making his way down south, 
uh, to where he would ultimately endure the cross, where he would come and fulfill the prophecies made about himself. Um, And it says, verse 12, And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Uh, Leprosy, if you don't know, it's commonly known as Hansen's disease today. Uh, What this disease does, it, it, it deadens the nerve endings. Uh, resulting in the loss of feeling and touch. And the worst part about it is that because you don't have any feelings in in any of your nerves, um, your body would literally start to decay. You couldn't feel the things that hurt you, Uh, that that, that parts of your body would just start to fall off and you'd have no idea. Uh, That's what leprosy was. That's um, That's what these people were enduring. That's what these people had. Um. Verse 13, Uh, they stood in distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go, show yourself to the priests. Uh, So leprosy in in ancient Israel, if you had leprosy, you would have to stand at a distance. So they knew that. And when Jesus sees them, he tells them this interesting thing. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. Uh, the priests back in, back in that day uh, kind of acted like the health inspectors. Uh, they kind of deemed if, if you had leprosy or not. Like they, they were the ones who checked the final uh, checkboxes. Like, yes, you have leprosy. And if that were the case, um, then, you would have, then you would have to be exiled. But also the priests would also say if you didn't have leprosy anymore. And they would say you are clean again. So what's interesting about this is these lepers come to Jesus and before anything, before they're even clean, Jesus tells them to go, to go to the, to go to the priest and to show themselves. And this is what happens next. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. If you would join me in prayer before we go any further. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for how you are working in our lives right now. God, we don't want um, funny stories or or clever one-liners. God, we want to hear from you today. So thank you for your word. Would you meet us this morning? Would we be more aware of your presence? Move me out of the way. Would your will be done? We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Have you ever been in a terrible situation where you really just wanted some relief? Have you ever been in a terrible situation where all you wanted was some relief? Get away from it. You see, these lepers were desperate and had nowhere to go. So they go to Jesus. They had nowhere else to go. They go to God. And in their pursuit of relief, they find Jesus. Before we really get into gratitude, I think we first need to see that Jesus is approachable in our desperation, that in our need, Jesus is able to meet it, that Jesus actually invites us to approach him in our needs and wants. 
Consider the desperation of the lepers. Uh, Like we said, while the physical disease is terrible, uh, probably even worse were the social consequences. Leviticus 13 laid out some of the Jewish law when it came to, to leprosy and those who suffered from it. But if that priest, health inspector-like person deemed that you had leprosy, what would happen next is you would be exiled from your community. You'd be forced to leave everything you, you've known and loved. That if you ever approached the village again, you would have to yell, unclean, unclean. As a leper, you, 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 would not know, you would be separated from the rest of the world. It was like being the walking dead, being alive but really having no life. And it was thought that leprosy was a divine curse, uh, one that, that was especially given to, to bad people or bad families. Or... So people would be extra afraid to approach people who had leprosy. People would not be around lepers uh, they thought it was infectious and that proximity would mean that they would catch it themselves and they would be exiled. They would become the walking dead. All people would keep their distance from lepers except Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, earlier in this gospel that we're reading, uh, we see Jesus is not afraid uh, to enter into the messiness of leprosy. Luke chapter 5 tells of Jesus healing a leper, not just healing him, but extending his hand and touching the messiness, the dirtiness, the disease. He shows that his light overcomes the darkness as he reaches out and heals this man. And he also shows that he is approachable with all of our circumstances. This Jesus was showing compassion to those who are hurting. So back to the question, have you ever had a desperation where you just wanted some relief? A little further, have you ever had a desperation lead you to God where you felt God was the only place to go? Maybe it's restoration in a difficult relationship where it just seems so far, far gone and broken that only God could fix it. Maybe it's in family dynamics, the holiday season, that there's this distance between you and your family. And it's like, God, please, only you can fix this. Uh, maybe it's through something like the Above and Beyond campaign where you have committed to being generous and giving, and now you are desperately just asking God to provide now. Maybe it's a cry for identity, worth, and purpose. And you know, God, please, show me the way. Maybe it's with a difficult diagnosis. Maybe it's with job security. Maybe it's something a little more minor, like studying for a test you procrastinated on. But what desperations have led you to God? And for followers of Jesus, we, ha- we have to remember our constant desperation because spiritually, our souls, we are spiritual lepers. From head to toe, our, we've been infected with this disease called sin. And because of our spiritual leprosy, we stand at a distance from God that we have to approach him and say, unclean, unclean. It's made us stand at a distance from other people. This spiritual leprosy, it's made us, this sin, it's made us deaden to the things that hurt us. Sin help makes us more um, unaware of our self-inflicted wounds. To, to understand gratitude, we have to first know that Jesus wants us to approach him. 
with all of our desires, all of our desperations, all of our needs, all of ourselves, Jesus is inviting us to come to him. Like he says in Matthew's gospel, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. So our desperation, our sense of need, it moves us to call to God, to approach him. So we see that. We see that Jesus is approachable, and so do the lepers. So the lepers call out to Jesus from a distance. They even call him master. Probably call him master because they've heard of this man who heals, who restores, helps uh, blind men to see, lame men to walk. They know Jesus as a miracle worker and healer, and and the news about this man is spreading. They've heard of what he can do, so they approach they, they've heard of that he can meet their needs, so they approach him. So Jesus tells them to go and present themselves to the priest. Sees them at a distance, and, that's, and he tells them to go. And as they walk away, as the ten lepers heed his word, obey him, and make their way to the priest, this disease that has plagued every nook and cranny of their life starts to fall away. They listen to his word and go to the priest, and they start to be healed They start to recognize they came to Jesus asking for mercy. They they shouted for, Master, we need mercy. But they received something more. They received healing. See, when we go to Jesus, when we we pray to God, we can know that we will be heard. And whether it's a yes, no, maybe later, it's going to be good. Jesus continuously reminds us to ask God. Uh, he, He says when he talks about prayer, uh, like, like, a, like a hungry son would go to his father. He wouldn't give him a rock. He would give him bread. How much more our heavenly father? Uh, James says it this way, every good gift and every perfect, perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. See, the source of goodness and light in our lives, it doesn't come from ourselves. Ultimately, it comes from outside of us. It comes from above. We don't control our good fortune. We don't control the encouragement. We don't control the sense of supernatural peace that God gives us. It it comes from him. Our move towards gratitude starts to happen when we realize that we have given far more than we deserve. Back to that story about me and my mom. Uh, When I pulled out the snow pants, so bummed. This relational distance, all of a sudden, between um, me and her. See, what I failed to realize was she bought me these snow pants because she was wanting to prepare me for our, our trip to Tahoe coming up. That without those snow pants, I couldn't do things like go snowboarding or throw snowballs or make snow angels or whatever you need snow pants for. <laughs> but without those snow pants, I couldn't do any of it. And I failed to see that. That's what happened. Ha- the, the lepers... Uh, listen to Jesus. It, it might not have been what they wanted in that moment, like that kid who got snow pants, to just go to the priest, but they listened anyways. They knew Jesus had something good in store for them, so they listened and obeyed. And they received something even better. They received healing. So we see that we can approach Jesus and trust that he can give good gifts but we can get caught up in all of that, in all the giving and receiving. 
And I don't know about you, but for me, maybe your prayer, my prayer life at least, starts to sound like this. Give me healing. Give me food. Give me riches. Give me good grades. Give me a spouse. Give me, give me, give me. See, the danger here is that we can all experience God's blessings, yet miss out on God. We see that in this story. All 10 lepers wanted Jesus to meet their needs, but only one wanted to meet with God. All 10 lepers wanted Jesus to meet their needs, but only one wanted to meet with God. We often think of Thanksgiving backwards. We can only be thankful after we have received something. Uh, We can only have feelings of gratitude and be grateful um, after we have been given something, maybe in something we feel like we are owed. However, what we see here, what Jesus is teaching us in this moment is that when we are thankful, we are positioning ourselves to receive real and better blessing. His faith, go, your faith has made you well. We see from this one leper that returns how gratitude is a gift. Gratitude is a gift because gratitude is always an act of humility. The leper falls at his feet, or falls at Jesus' feet, face down, in thankfulness. You see, when we express our thanks to someone else, uh, we are positioning ourselves underneath them, that their contribution, kind words, service, uh, it's valuable to us, and we recognize that generosity. That's what happens when we are grateful. You see, because if I believe I am owed something, I will not be thankful for it because I believe I'm entitled to it. If we believe we are owed something, we will not be thankful because we feel we are entitled to it. Gratitude is a gift because it starts to change that selfishness in us. Our hearts are trained um, to see ourselves a little bit more accurately when we are grateful because more often than not, this is true in my life, that I think too highly of myself, that I think I deserve more than I actually deserve, that more things should be coming my way. But when I'm grateful, what I'm doing is training my heart to see myself more accurately. Pastor, theologian, author, A.W. Tozer would say it this way. Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. And it is one that the poorest of us can make. Catch this. And be not poorer, but richer for having made it. See, we are richer because in our humility, we are positioning ourselves rightly before God. We have nothing to offer but gratitude. Jesus owes us nothing, yet he offers us everything. And again, especially for the Jesus follower, the Christian, we recognize that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. God saw our spiritual leprosy, took on flesh, lived a life we couldn't live, died a death that we deserved, defeated the grave, and got rid of this distance that our ingratitude got us in the first place. You see, this makes gratitude all the more a gift for ourselves. God doesn't need our thankfulness. We needed God, therefore we can be thankful. He's given us away, and in being thankful, we are recognizing our helplessness before him, and we see his provision in our lives. Um. Jesus knows that. Jesus doesn't just want us to have the gifts. He wants us to have the giver. 
In gratitude, we are reminded of our need for saving, and our gratitude leads us to the gospel. And the gospel is not just a one and done, I am saved, it is over. Gratit- or the gospel is not a one and done, I am saved, it's over. The gospel is a daily remembrance. It's a daily uh, reminder that we should be grateful. It's a daily changing of our hearts to be more like Jesus is. In our gratitude, our lives are shaped to look more like Jesus, the life Jesus lived. So the question becomes, how do we actually live more grateful lives? Like Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. We know that's the will of God. But how do we do that? In all circumstances, how do we go about that? When we read this story a little quickly, or at least I, I'll admit, when I read this story for the first time, I walked away and thought, wow, nine ungrateful people and one grateful one, right? But I just don't think that's the case. If I think about all 10 lepers walking away, listening to Jesus, going to the priest, and starting to recognize this leprosy, this disease that has plagued me for so long, that has kept me from a distance from community and everything, I would be thankful I, I, I would be um, so excited. What I'd, I got more than what I asked for. I would feel incredibly grateful. But that's the problem, is all of them felt grateful, but only one expressed it. Only one came back and shared that gratitude with Jesus. To live more grateful lives, we have to do more than just feel gratitude. We have to share it. We have to express it. Think of all the times in your life uh, when you were accused of being ungrateful with a spouse, close friend, family member. More often than not, it wasn't that you were ungrateful. You just didn't share it. And that's the problem with unexpressed gratitude is experienced just like like being ungrateful for for everyone else. Quite simply, we have to express our gratitude. Um, so two people, right? Two people that we usually don't say thank you to. Two people in our lives. One is people. Um, <laughs> and two is God. Two people, people and God. <laughs> so to kind of get the ball rolling, um, have an idea of, of where is there ingratitude in our lives. I just got a few questions. Um, for you to consider as you think about uh, moving towards more grateful lives. Uh, One, who do you take for granted? Who in your life do you take for granted? You make excuses like, well, I hired them to do that. Um, They're supposed to do that. Well, that's my mom. Of course she's going to get me a better Christmas gift. Or that's my friend. Of course they're going to have my back. Of course they're supposed to uh, support me. Who do you take for granted? Uh, Who's done something for you that you've never thanked? Who's helped you get to where you are right now? Who's supported you along the way, shared uh, a source of encouragement, um, has encouraged you in one direction? Who's helped you get to where you are today? And a little bit more towards God, is is your prayer, in your prayer life, have you caught yourself um, asking more than thanking Like, when was the last time you thanked God for your salvation? 
that God has made a way that he did for you what you couldn't do for yourself? Have you repented of feeling entitled or like you're owed anything? I need to do that often. So how do we do it practically? What do we do? A um, couple things I like to do is I, I like to write thank you cards. Uh, or sometimes it needs to be a face-to-face conversation. Um, because uh, when I, or especially with my prayer journal, sometimes I need to write it down, what I am thankful for. Um, sometimes I just need to get alone with God and tell him verbally, put it out there. Uh, sometimes I need to write a thank you card to a volunteer. Sometimes I need to share them and share, uh, look them in the eye and express my, my sincere gratitude. And a good rule of thumb is which one is best for which situation, is which one's harder for you. Because sometimes I like to hide behind, behind the, the thank you note and I don't want to express, the, express it with my mouth. Sometimes it's the words um, on a three by five that'll go a lot longer of a way than if I just uh, said it to them. So which one's harder for you? But ultimately, we have to move past feeling grateful. We have to express it. Imagine the kind of people we would be if we learned to express our gratitude better. Imagine the kind of impact our lives would have on others if we genuinely thanked others. Imagine the softening of our hearts if we learned to live more grateful lives. Imagine if, uh, as a community, we always looked for the gift of gratitude. And I want to invite the band up. But even in our difficult circumstances, even in our desperation, even when we don't get what we want, because Jesus has closed the chasm that our ingratitude has placed between us and God, we can echo the sentiments of the New Testament writers, always saying, thanks be to God, or in all circumstances, give thanks, because Jesus has closed the gap. The lies of the enemy that say we are still at a distance from God, we do not need to believe anymore. Jesus has closed the gap and has made a way. We can hold on to that truth, and for that we can be thankful. That we can not only experience gifts, but be in fellowship with the giver. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for for always blessing us. God, even when it's not the way we want to look like. Would you teach us? Would your spirit help us to have softer hearts? To know that you are always moving and hearing our prayers and answering them even. God, thank you that you've done for us what we could not do for ourselves. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.